Psalm 2 addresses the reality that those who want to live according to God's word live among those who don't. Some people rebel against the laws God gives us for our protection and blessing, and that rebellion causes suffering. Verses 1 to 3 of Psalm 2 we read, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Whilst the verses were written centuries ago, in a different political situation, they could easily be describing today. It's hardly a day when the news does not include a report of a nation or a national leader conspiring and plotting. Whether it be Russia, China, the Middle East, South America or parts of Africa, we can all think of examples of leaders who rise up and band together against the Lord, or at least against his laws of fairness and justice for all. It can be easy to become downhearted, fearful and discouraged, and complain, as we read elsewhere in the Psalms, why do the evil prosper? Psalm 2 is the antidote. It's a reminder of where the power really is. The Bible provides a proper framework within which to see current events. Yes, terrible things do happen. David, the author of many of the Psalms, was as aware of that as we are. Despite being king, he didn't lead a charmed life. He wasn't immune to problems. He faced many difficulties in difficult situations and experienced hostility both from national enemies and family members. His faith in God wasn't because he'd never had problems, because he'd experienced God's faithfulness and provision in the midst of the problems. The psalm can encourage us and enable us to pray with hope rather than despair, no matter how bad the situation may seem. It's easy enough to see that God's wisdom is continually being challenged by earthly leaders. But the way the question is posed suggests that it's ludicrous to challenge God and invites us to wonder why anyone would want to promote their own ideas and opinions in opposition to God's. And yet, isn't that what we all do on a daily basis? The psalm leads me to recognise that there are times I choose my own way, not God's, and calls me to acknowledge that to him and ask his forgiveness. In the next section of the psalm, we see God's response. God does not sit idly by. In verse 4, we are told that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them and rebukes them. God sees the way men plot against him, and he laughs. He isn't afraid or depressed about their opposition to him, and we don't need to be. The picture conjured up for me by the phrase, he who sits in the heavens, is of someone relaxed and at ease. God isn't anxiously pacing, wondering how to respond to men's threats. He has everything in hand. He has nothing to fear. He knows the outcome. It reminds me of the saying, he laughs best, who laughs last. I read a lovely example of this concerning the Roman Emperor Diocletian, who ruled from 284 to 305 AD. He was totally opposed to Christianity and instituted the empire's last and largest persecution of Christians. It failed. He failed so spectacularly that only a few years later, in AD 324 under the Emperor Constantine, Christianity was made the preferred religion of the Roman Empire. Jesus ultimately will rule the nations. It says in Romans 14.11 and Philippians 2 verse 10 
everyone will bow the knee to Jesus Christ and proclaim that he is Lord. Rulers of this world may win battles, but their wars are lost because we know who has the final victory. Psalm 2 can be understood on two levels, within its historical context and looking forward to the future. David was literally the Lord's anointed. After Saul's disobedience, the prophet Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed David as the next king of Israel. The psalm also points forward to Jesus as the ultimate Lord's anointed. In Luke 4 verse 18, we are told that Jesus introduced his ministry with a quotation from Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. In a hymn by James Montgomery, he picks up the idea from the psalm. The words being, Hail to the Lord's anointed, great David's greatest son. Hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. He comes to break oppression, to set the captive free, to take away transgression and rule in equity. Part of Psalm 2 is quoted in the New Testament. When Peter and John returned to the early disciples after having been called to account for the healing of the lame man in the temple, they prayed, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Then they applied it to their situation, saying, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel in this city, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God enabled them to see even the plots as fulfilling his plan, and their prayer continued. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What an inspiring prayer. It's recorded in Acts that the result of the prayer was that the place where they were meeting was shaken. When we pray for international situations, we can often feel insignificant and ineffective. Psalm 2 should encourage us that it is not the power of the person praying, but the power of the one to whom we are praying that is important. And finally, Psalm 2 closes with a promise for each and every one of us. Blessed are all who take refuge in him.